This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey everybody, welcome to Show Me the Meaning Wisecracks Movie Podcast. Show me Valhalla! <laughs> Witness me! Witness me! My name is Jared, and today we got a very special episode of Show Me the Meaning. And why is this a special episode, you might be asking? Well, if you're watching the YouTube live stream, or if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, Wisecast, you can see that in person right here, we have the Show Me the Meaning crew. We got Ryan. Hey, film fans. We got Austin in person. It's, a, it's about to get problematic in here. I don't know, oh, I don't know which my, I don't know which camera I'm looking at, but all of them. Yeah. So we've been doing this podcast since about what December last year. Yeah, something. And like that. Uh, I've never. This is the first time I've ever met Austin. Yeah, yeah in me person. Too. And for people out there, these two are fucking tall, man. <laughs> I like, know, right? Like both like Super six two, six three. I forget how tall. tall. I am. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm six foot and I come in and, you know, you think that someone live is going to be smaller than, yeah. you know, like the Tom Cruise thing or like something. <laughs> but you guys are the opposite of that. You guys are like Vince Vaughn's. Yeah. Well, yeah. also, and it's most it's mostly in the legs, right? So when you're sitting, you look normal. Right. But then yeah. when you stand, you're huge. Yeah, my, my, my legs are <laughs> yeah, kind of disproportionate. Yeah. I can't fit into my roommate's car. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, and we got Rebecca here in person. Hey, everybody. Hello. So it's just very serendipitous that their vacations happen to overlap, and yes. they're both here in studio today, yeah. and it's really exciting. Uh, great to have you guys here. No, thanks. I'm yeah. stoked. Good to be here. So, guys, today we're talking about Mad Max Fury Road, the 2015 film directed by George Miller, starring Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, and Nicholas Holt. Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and get some first impressions. What was it like first time you saw it? What was it like revisiting it? Let's start with, let's start with Austin. Oh, man. Okay, so first time I saw it, I got a buddy, uh, the dude that I do the I Dig This Movie podcast with. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a director in London. He's like, this is the best action movie I've ever seen. Uh, he loves Australian cinema, so he loves George Miller. So he was like, this is fucking amazing. So I had crazy high expectations going in, and it actually, for once, exceeded my expectations. Mm -hmm. yeah. I thought, I literally, every time I watch this now, I'm like, this is the best action movie ever. Like, this and The Raid 2 yeah. are like, oh, just on another level, man. Oh, cool. I'm glad to hear you say that about The Raid 2. Have you seen The Raid 1? No, I've actually never seen The Raid 1. Oh, that's oh yeah, The Raid, yeah. Gotta yeah. see The Raid 1. Yeah. Most, yeah. most people prefer The Raid 1, but I love them both. Yeah, yeah they're both uh, excellent, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Or what about you, Rebecca? Oh, my God. I mean, I love... Well, first of all, I went in expecting, like, traditional Mad Max stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just so surprised that Furiosa ended up being how central as she was and that there was so much like female dominated action in the film it was just it was so surprising and awesome so i mean talk about exceeding expectations i mean i went yeah. in being like all right this is just another bro movie for the guys who love action and i no. love it i mean i say that as somebody who really yeah, yeah. really likes action films so i just found it so cool and so interesting have yeah. you seen all the other mad max movies yeah yeah okay i mean i hadn't for a while but right. yeah yeah, I've actually only uh, other I've only seen Road Warrior. Really? Is Road Warrior the first one? That's the second one. Yeah, that's the one that everyone says is is the one that you got to see, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, so I've only seen that one and this one. Well, you seen But the two I know best that you've ones. seen yeah, all of them, the right? Ones, yeah. yeah, it's so, it goes it's debatable. Either 2 or 4 is first, but I think 2, 4, 1 then Thunderdome. This is three. 4. Yeah, this is Fury four. Road is 4. Okay. Right. What about you, Ryan? Going in, uh, I know you were a big fan. Yeah, I this is a Movie with a capital M O V I E. <laughs> I love the fuck out of this in so many ways. It's so impressive. Um, but like, I mean, first and foremost, all credit needs to go to George fucking Miller, right? If mm -hmm. you don't know, this movie was made by a seventy-year-old man, you know, somehow still at the top of his prime. And when you look at his filmography on IMDb, it's hilarious because in like thirty years, basically, he's made. Some of the most hardcore, he basically invented a, a genre, the post-apocalyptic, yeah. you know, action genre. And then he's made Happy Feet movies and yeah. Babe movies. <laughs> yeah, Babe you gotta pay the, the bills, man. <laughs> I know. No, but everyone loves those movies, yeah. too. I mean, Babe Pig in the City Absolutely, is lauded yeah. as the best Babe movie. Wait, people like Happy Oh, Happy Feet. I'm the God, I was oh, yeah. thinking about Mr. Popper's Penguins. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, I mean, and Happy Penguin Feet has movie. its fans, too, and it won yeah, Oscars yeah. and stuff. I mean, I say ba Babe is the, be too, is the best Babe movie. I mean, it, it's a ridiculous Babe movie, but, I mean, it's just crazy that he made it. You know, right, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the Mad Max film. Yes, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this movie just came out of fucking nowhere for me. I mean, I, they, they it took him, like, 15 years to make it, and you kind of are like, it's one of those... Do we need another Mad Max movie? Yeah. There's been mm. three. The third one sucked, kind of. Why? What, yeah, what, we'll go yeah. back, yeah. kind of, to that. And against, yeah, like, Mad, I mean, George Miller, mm. give it all credit to him yeah. that he had this vision of basically a 
two hour long single action yeah. piece uh, car chase car scene. chase yeah. sequence yeah. that works like against all odds and like you said it has all these really interesting themes that aren't present in other action movies and I think it does kind of, even though it is one chase sequence, it kind of is trying to say stuff. Yes, yeah. Like uh, that we can break down. So I, I love this movie. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Great. Me too. And there's a fucking dude playing the guitar, like oh, with the fucking flamethrower <laughs> out of it. Like, awesome. fucking, yeah. <laughs> so this might be the first movie that we've done together that we all like. Right? That's, is that right? That's, I don't that think that's... That can't be true. Oh, that's certainly not true well, for not us three. Well, not for the two of you, yeah. But we've, we've only, been on a few before. Well, everything. we all like The Matrix. We all love The Matrix, the first the one. The first one. Yeah. 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 But the second and the third... Can I stand correct? The yeah. second and third <laughs> ones one. we have yeah. mixed feelings about. Well, what's the funny <laughs> thing is I actually I enjoyed the conversation, so I feel yes, like now... Oh, yeah, if, you, if, if I meet someone yeah, on the street and they're like, hey, what do you think about the second Matrix? I'll be like, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You would be like, it's the superhero of the left. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If someone asked me if they should watch that, I'd say, just go listen to the Wisecrack podcast about it. No way. There's no way they would be able to follow what we're talking about. I mean, you can see the movie and you can still barely follow what the fuck we're talking about. But anyway, we love Mad Max. We love Mad Max. I love this movie. I saw it in 2015 when it came out, and I was blown away. I don't really even know what I was expecting. Mm. You know, the weird thing is, is that I remember when it came out, everyone was talking about, oh, my God, this is a reaffirmation of practical effects. Mm. And rewatching it, I was like, wait a second. This doesn't really look as practical as I remember. Now, granted, like a lot of like cars crashing yeah. and stuff, all practical, right. all looks awesome, all, you know, thank God for that stuff. Maybe it's been a couple Maybe have have there been other movies recently that have done more practical stuff? I mean, maybe the raid I just saw is kind of the, raid, the big one. Mission Impossible Five. I just saw. Maybe I have that kind of in my head. But um, yeah, a Fast and Furious movies. They do that. Are shit. they practical? I don't. Some know. of the car crashes are probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, there's something so glorious about a slow motion car yeah. just going and like all these pieces everywhere that you really 100%. can't you can't capture with CGI. But yeah, like that storm is total CGI. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember this movie. Didn't it get nominated for Best Picture and it came out in like January of that year? Something, something like that. Where the, it's always pretty impressive if a movie comes out early in the year and is not an Oscar type movie. Kind of like Get Out. Get Out came mm -hmm. out super early that mm -hmm. year and it just stuck with people. People remembered it all the way up until Oscar yeah. season, which is rarely happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't remember if it did get nominated, but I know that it made a lot of year-end, like, top ten yeah, lists yeah, and shit. I mean, oh, I think yeah. it reached a broader audience than some of the last Mad Max oh, films. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, that so that makes it stick out. Like, people were expecting a certain kind of Mad Max, and then they, everybody got a Mad Max they could like, and that oh, yeah. seemed like, that's noteworthy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's go into a recap. So, in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, a wanderer known as Max is captured and brought to the Citadel, run by Immortan Joe, a sickly tyrant who lords over the impoverished by controlling the water supply and anointing himself god. Joe sends a band of his devouted war boys and their leader, Imperator Fur Imperator Imperator. I don't know what it is. Furiosa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get more gasoline and bullets. But Furiosa veers off course and Joe realizes she's betrayed him. She's taken his sex slash fertility slaves as stowaways and plans to liberate them. So Joe rallies a new team to pursue Furiosa, including warboy Nux, who, desperate for glory, brings Max along as a blood bag and pursues Furiosa through a nasty storm. Max reluctantly teams up with Furiosa to fend off Immortan Joe's pursuit. After trying to kill Furiosa on board the rig, Nux rejoins Joe's team and is personally recognized or witnessed by Joe. But when he fails and Joe expresses his disappointment, Nux starts having a crisis of faith aided by the nurturing words of the wives on board the rig, who eventually convince him to help them. Max, Furiosa, and Lux eventually reach the green place, only to discover that there's nothing green left. All that's left of Furiosa's clan are a bunch of grizzled female warriors. Furiosa and the mothers are about to spend the rest of their days fleeing when Max suggests they go to the one place that still has plentiful water, the Citadel. So they turn their war rig around and race to the Citadel while it's unguarded. Joe quickly realizes their plan and pursues them. Furiosa kills Joe and Nux sacrifices himself to ensure the war rig a safe passage. Max and Furiosa return to the Citadel, reveal Joe's dead body, and Furiosa is ascended to the top where she will assume control, while Max disappears amongst the crowd, out to forge his own path. End of movie. Over here, just massive head nods yes. from Rebecca. Head <laughs> nods. Fucking A, that's right. Fucking A, that's what happens. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morph. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. So, so like the first thing I I thought about when I was watching this this time, which I hadn't thought about before, was Derrida and phallogocentrism. <laughs> oh yeah, and this idea of like a reversal of the patriarchy. Yeah, we will. So, so phallogocentrism is a portmanteau of phallocentrism and logocentrism. Yeah, and phallocentrism. We'll say logocentrism is the idea that history has been dominated by the word, and it usually is kind of understood as like judgmental reason or mm-hmm. like determinateness. Certain kinds of logic. Yeah. Right, and. So uh, so that was a, a criticism of Derrida. And then another criticism is that this idea that history has also been conditioned by what we would call maybe in the current present moment like a patriarchal logic. But it's even more than that. It's more about this idea of a particular uh, phallocentric, as in like the phallus in Freud's Oedipus complex, that has kind of conditioned the desiring conditions mm-hmm. of, of Western society in particular. So he brings them together and he creates this word called phallogocentrism. Mm-hmm. But he does that to sort of like deconstruct the binary of, of male, female, man, woman, mm-hmm. as Derrida does with deconstruction, right? So I'm looking at this movie and I'm thinking, all right, so you have these these like total masculine dudes and like they're spraying their face with fucking drugs and they got these crazy weapons and it's like testosterone and blah, mm-hmm. right? And then you have these women who are like, they're made in the image of a man's desire. They're, uh, they're to be breeders and uh, they're wearing like white because they're pure mm-hmm. and they're the beautiful models. Like it's, what's her name? Hunt- Huntington, Rosie... Huntington know. Whitley or whatever her name is. Is that Zoe the name Kravitz. of one of the wives? The, the one that dies first. The okay, one the pregnant, the pregnant yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Rosie Huntington Wheatley or whatever her name is. I don't know. But anyway, and so you get the, these women, but then you have Furiosa, mm-hmm. who is kind of standing in between and challenging these like gender binaries. And then, of course, at the end, she kind of ends up on top. And the movie's called Mad Max, but really, she's kind of the protagonist. Yeah, yeah. And so it's almost like an overturning... I don't know if George Miller meant this, but it's like a criticism of this phallogocentric logic of yeah. determinateness, See, of masculinity, and then you get like a, like a, almost a sort of like Hegelian synthesis at the end. Mm. Okay, so you got me with the Hegel thing, but I would say I largely, so I would say that probably like the, the biggest thing that's happening, you know, when this movie came out, there was a lot of talk about like it having like kind of like feminist slants to it, but, right. and I think that that's definitely there. Um, so let me just go through some of the things. So like obviously the women are largely objectified in this movie. That's like the whole thing is that the the wives are constantly saying we're not objects, we're yeah, people, we're not, things. Yeah, we're not yeah. things. Yeah, that's what they say. So like the women are known as breeders. Uh, they're even kept in a giant bank vault, like yeah. you would another like precious. Yeah. Well, they're objects. referred to as assets at one point. Yeah, property. Got yeah, yeah. got to yeah. protect the assets. Yeah. Uh, there are other women that are milked like cows <laughs> to to make mother's milk. Uh, there's writing on the wall that says we're not things. Oh, Morton Joe is constantly referring to them as their treasures. Um, so obviously, and then yeah, in in contrast, Furiosa is just like the ultimate badass. Yeah, and but, even the women, I have to point out. I mean, yeah, sure, they're models, and they're so skinny they probably don't even menstruate, like let alone be able, <laughs> like, be able to produce right. you know, babies. They should have been like a little, you know, heftier. Um, but. But yeah, they're not like damsels in any sense. They're pretty uh, knowledgeable. They know how to load guns. They're right. So they're also not really portrayed. They might be lovely, but they're portrayed as kind of being prepared to take risks and handle themselves and fight if need be and risk themselves in some way. So I also think that's worth, even though yeah, they're models and whatever. So because you know, but some that's people, interesting about because some yeah. people they criticized it and they said no, it's not really a feminist film because they're still fitting yeah, into these norms. But I kind of thought, but wouldn't isn't that the point? Because the point is, is that they're still living in this society. And they're chosen based on their physical attributes or whatever, and they're dressed to kind of like fulfill the desiring yeah. stereotype. Yeah. So the point is, is that within that world, the world of a Morton Joe, where he is the god figure, mm-hmm. then these are what a this is like the idea of what a woman ought yes. to be. Uh, yeah. But then there's like a sort of like deconstruction of that. As they exhibit agency yes, and yeah, they take they power, do. and then yeah. Furiosa then gets elevated. And they're to... like the only ones who are like hip to the real shit that's going on. Right. Yeah. They have yeah, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all that is present, but what I realize when I watch this is I feel like, I mean, the men are just as much 
victims yes, of this society. Sure. Yes, absolutely. You ever hear like uh, in the interwebs that they say that like, you know, yes, women are objectified under this system, but in the same way men are disposable under this yeah. system. And well, I think we definitely see this yeah, in the yeah, movie. They're disposable, they're brainwashed to be disposable under ideological conditioning. Yeah. So I I think that the feminism thing is definitely more obvious because it's so rare that we have movies with badass females like yeah. Charlize well, Theron. But I think that's only if you understand, right, feminism isn't just like women no, I know. get free. Yeah. Feminism, its point is like, look, patriarchy's fucking with you and it's fucking Fuck with us. Everybody. It's just doing it in different ways. It's right. making you disposable in certain ways and it's making us disposable in certain ways. So I think even that point that the men are disposable is still a fundamentally fe- feminist mm. Point. And, and without getting too like wanky and philosophical, and Rebecca can probably speak to this better since you do a lot more work on Derrida than I have, um, the idea of, of deconstruction isn't that it's like one versus the mm-hmm. other. It's actually to completely deconstruct, but it's to kind of blur that binary altogether and to unpack both of those. Mm-hmm. So it isn't that men are here and women are there. It's that we perceive men and women as being here and there, but that actually there's a much more complex, tense, mm-hmm. co-constituting relationship between the two. Yeah. And so at the end, when Mad Max kind of slinks off into the crowd and Furios is getting erected, mm-hmm. that isn't like, ah, only women identity of of women as constituted as right. we understand it based on this pre-constituted mm-hmm. idea of gender uh, are erected in men you don't matter no it's a much more complex like right. intertwining right. between the two well, I, I think, I think that's even why... the, one of the wives says that at some point like she says to the Nux. kid right she's like no we're we're the same in this system we're both disposable we're both owned right so yeah it's a point they highlight through the women so I think that to, to your point, I think one of the that end that moment at the end where uh, Max basically becomes a blood bag again to save Furiosa is right. so nice. Mm. Yes, because yes. Uh, you know there is that sense of both of them sh- like that. That's like the ultimate Max objectification or being disposable. In that he's literally just becomes a bag of blood for for the war boys to get high off of. Mm. Yes, and then he yes. kind of like uh, reappropriates that to save yeah. her life is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hmm. But also, I think, I mean, it's very Derridian, but it's also, I mean, I think it's also got like some feminist Marxist overtones, right? Because you, you notice that, like, if we think about it, patriarchy is, yeah, it's about, you know, objectification and these sorts of things. But what it's really about is like controlling the means of production, right? Hmm. And if if there's a post-apocalyptic society, the thing you have to control are women's bodies because they are the thing that's going to be producing children. They're going to be the thing that's producing milk. So I also think it, yeah, it's pretty like feminist marxist and it's in its recognition that at at this stage basically everybody becomes property of the higher up right yeah maybe it's and, not production but he has control of the water which is everything well this i mean i mean like womb as, oh, well, a, as a productive yeah, yeah, model yeah, yeah, yeah. right and so at one point right when the wife is there he's he leans her and says that's my baby right mm-hmm. so it's it's this way of taking ownership of the women's bodies because they are literally the means of producing life at that point and they're the only ones who can produce life and so i think it kind of strips a lot of a lot of uh i don't know a lot of shiny stuff away from patriarchy to just be like look at the end of the day here's the deal we produce babies and people need that shit (laughs) and in a post-apocalyptic society you need to control that or you're fucked and Mm -hmm. and so that, that these women are in a vault right it's not just significant because they're women and you know men like to treat women a certain way but also because they're literally the means of production and he's got he's literally controlling it in terms of the like how like much George Miller, you know, yeah, uh, while, while constructing Absolutely, this, you know, yeah. is thinking yeah. about these things. Like, like, do you just speculation? Do you yeah. do, do you do you feel like it's a feminist metaphor for like, all right, this is like the patriarchy, and this means this, this is, or is it like this is the end all extreme of where our current system would take us? If you Interesting. know, is 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 it like a cautionary tale, like? Yeah. What, like, I guess what, or is, how, yeah. where does the feminist critique really lie? Like, or what do you think George Miller actually thinks about this stuff? Yeah. I just kind of think that, I mean, for my two cents, I think that he built this idea of a post apocalypse and he just asked himself, what would men and women's roles? Yes. How are yeah. women and exactly. how are men and women marginalized in society today? And if now let's amplify this. Yes. Or let's just amplify it to what would happen if there were limited resources. What would we still value yeah. in men? Well, we'd value their ability to be battle fodder. And with women, we'd value their ability to reproduce. Yes. Yes. And it just naturally became that kind of a statement. And you don't think it's him looking around going, you know what? P- 
look at this patriarchal system. I'm going to make a Mad Max movie about well, today. No, but I Who think, knows? I think it, I think it does. I mean, Which I think, I think it's kind of what we're getting into, yeah, right? He might not have been in, I don't know if he was like, you know what, yeah, this is going to be a feminist, you know, manifesto in, in any sense. But I think he was super cautious uh, or he was super attentive to the way that bodies are used today. And he thought, I mean, in a, in a sort of cautionary way, like if this society ended, how would the people in this society end up figuring things out afterward and they would do it according to these patriarchal norms right yeah. according men being fodder women being bodies um so yeah whether he intended it to be some kind of you know thing we could go on and on about um or you know bring in lots of f feminist uh, philosophers to i don't know but i i do think it uh really accurately was like if this society crashed you know there would be lots of other societies if they crashed you would not end up having those sorts of structures because that's not the way philosophically we've organized ourselves so it's not going to be the end result like post-apocalyptically that might not happen but in our society that is the way we think about bodies um, and it's the way we think about owning stuff, right? Like those are all paradigms that are pretty culturally specific. And so I don't think you would find that kind of paradigm in every post-apocalyptic literature. I mean, you don't. There are lots of post-apocalyptic literatures that imagine things otherwise. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I do think it's at, at, at once just kind of a natural result of this system, but also then a critique of the system at the same time. Interesting. I would say, yeah, it probably was just like critique of the system. And then it just kind of turned out like it did. If I had to give one major uh, 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 critique of this movie, it's that I believe at the beginning, isn't there like a, a text screen or something or, or, or voiceover that says like 40, isn't this like 45 years after the apocalypse? I don't know if it's text. Is there text? I I have the uh, opening monologue by Max, but he doesn't mention any kind of well, there's timeline. All this, there's all this like uh, news reports Image and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I have all that about. written down. I, I, there, I don't there's... know why I'm remembering this, but I but 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 I remember that it was like 50 years or something like after so the apocalypse. Long, and, yeah. and I'm like, that doesn't seem like that long enough for all these traditions and y'all's like weird yeah. ass post-apocalyptic culture to take hold. I don't know, man. If some if one person has access to water, the traditions happen overnight. Whatever he says goes. Yeah, you but but you see, in 50 years, people are going to be <laughs> strapping. People people to the hoods of cars <laughs> with blood bags i mean like, i don't know i mean once again if there is a crazy man who has these ideas and he controls all the water yeah it, it could happen in one year temporarily is this in line with the other three like does i was it, wondering that like this, those, yeah. those flashbacks those flashbacks that max has does that actually refer to any previous installments and, and it talks about how he used yes, to be a cop yes, and does. how he had a different mission before mm -hmm. and he failed and so that's why he's on this mission of redemption so it, he, it actually is the same character as mo gibson yeah, it's yeah. actually kind of confusing, honestly, because there's the, <laughs> in the first movie that there's a scene where the like you you see him, I think, in his daughter. He's like his daughter got run over by mm -hmm. by or, or got killed by right. these marauding, you know, post apocalyptic people, <laughs> and then you see the same exact same shots, like frame for frame, in these weird flashbacks mm. from the first movies. It's actually oh, really cool. Wow, so, really? But did they yeah. reshoot it? Yes. Okay. Yes. But but they're reshot like, reenactments of stuff that happens in the first movie. Yes, but you would okay. never know it. You it doesn't matter. It to doesn't the story matter. Yeah. At all. But like it's really cool little Easter egg for. The, well, I do think it matters yeah. a little bit because I feel like this was the first Mad Max where I felt like, oh, Max is actually mad. He's actually crazy. <laughs> you know. Mm. And in the other ones, I feel like he's still kind of a. Like, smarmy Mel Gibson. Smarmy, yeah, yeah male hero. Um, and I mean, I love post-apocalyptic shit, so I'm gonna eat it up anyway. But uh -huh. uh, but this one was was interesting because I felt like no, he's he's actually like on the verge of insane, being insane. <laughs> and that was really interesting to uh, play with throughout the movie. I thought they did a really good job of that. Yeah, yeah his uh, the last words of his monologue are, as the world fell, each of us in our own way was broken. It's hard to know who was more crazy, me or everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think I he really seems crazy. And those and those flashbacks, I think. You know, as he's like running from the marauders at the very beginning, right? And uh, through yeah. their like whatever their tunnel system or whatever, <laughs> he's getting these crazy flashbacks, and he can almost yeah. like not focus on things. Mm. And I thought that was so great to set the tone. Like, we just just so you know, this guy's actually like a you know a few pretzels short of a full bag or mm. whatever. Like, he's not quite. I also yeah. think that it was just the minimum amount of information we need to know that this guy has like amends to make that he is right. looking for some sort yeah. of redemption and he's going to help people because of it. Yeah. And we don't need to know the details. And I don't, I don't even need to know who that girl is. Yes. I don't, it's just I, we see the flashbacks. We see his reaction. I get it. Yeah. I kind of thought on. of him as like a, a figure in purgatory, you mm -hmm. know, because mm -hmm. he talks about how he's in between the living yeah. and the dead. 
and he's got these flashbacks, and then you have the half-lifes, which are the people that are alive, but they're kind of, yeah. he's kind of not in either of those two camps, and mm-hmm. he's almost like this dude that's been cursed in purgatory, and this is his mission mm-hmm. to get to Valhalla, yeah. you know, to get to yeah. heaven or something like that, and yeah. so he kind of, I don't know, yeah. and I kind of thought that maybe Furiosa would have been in a similar sort mm-hmm. of, she too is kind of elevated, she's not like one of the half-life boy what are they called the war boys or whatever she's not like there but then at the same time she's not elevated to like a a hierarchical status or an authoritarian status but she does have a level of privilege that she's given because she's like the the great furiosa the driver of this and yeah it seems like that's what she feels like she has to atone for right that she's been one of the people who's been implementing this power structure over the women Mm. over these war boys over everybody and so when she says like what are you seeking redemption you know like that's it's like she's 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 Uh, done her fair share of shitty things and she's got a yeah one of the things i was going to say too you were just talking about how it's like the minimal amount of information Mm -hmm. is given yeah miller is so fucking good at this throughout the film like so a point that really struck me last night and it's super simple just a filmmaking technique uh he talked he's referred to tom hardy's referred to as a blood bag but they don't really show what that means at right. first. So there's not like an explanation of, oh, well, you have to hook up the blood because I'm dying and I I need O negative or whatever the fuck. They don't do like exposition to kind of tell you. They're just like, he's a blood bag. You're sick. You don't have enough strength. And that's kind of it. And then later after the crash, he gets up after the crash and he unplugs yeah. himself. And there's just it looks s- like a fish hook. It does. Yeah. 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 And then there's like it lingers on it for just enough time. So you're like. Oh, that's how they do it. Yeah. And then it kind of shows how it's connected to knucks, like wrist or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck it is. And that's it. And that's it. And then you get the whole idea of how this system works. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck. That's just – the whole movie is filled with that kind yeah. of storytelling. The first, this is the first time I watched the movie man. with headphones. And I can pretty much with like 90% confidence say that they didn't record any audio for the whole oh, it's movie. All the ADR. whole thing is ADR. <laughs> yeah. It's all ADR. Which, which yeah. is uh, – for those of you that don't know, that means basically like – on the set or on the day they didn't actually record the audio or they probably recorded a scratch track but it was Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron going in into a studio basically dubbing themselves over their own mouths and I think that yeah that's just more to the point that they were planning on telling the story visually and then yeah. they were just going to kind of like pepper yeah. in whatever minimal relevant context is needed as yeah. it goes on and is it filmed at a faster frame rate it looks like it's not 24 or 25 frames mm. but it looks like it's like 60 or something because I wouldn't be surprised or it's sped up maybe just a tick because it especially there's there's a bit when when max is in the yes, truck at, yeah. and it's like it's so at fucking the very beginning squirrely, yeah, yeah. um but it kind of adds yeah, to the frenetic yeah. yeah 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 so i don't know i yeah i really liked that there was uh so little dialogue yeah but so much story i mean mm. yeah the, it was pretty remarkable i mean i think it just goes to show that the directing was phenomenal and that the actors were yeah. so good that they they were just like we're just gonna let you be awesome and communicate all these things with subtle glances or right with very very subtle gestures you don't even have to say very much so i was just struck as i was watching this movie how powerful and packed right the story was but how little they this talked is definitely the, so, this yeah. is the best tom hardy grunting movie because <laughs> <laughs> he grunts yeah. in uh what was the dicaprio bear movie Oh, Revenant. 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 He he's Lawless. a grunt. He grunts in that. Lawless. He grunts in law. All he does is yeah, grunt. Yeah. Bane. Yeah. Bane. Yeah. Bane. Bane's, yeah. Bane's a grunter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I like him more when he grunts. Like I've seen the trailer for whatever. What's the fuck? Venom. Venom? Oh yeah. Dude, Venom. So yes. disappointed. Dude. It looks wild. What part of New York is he from? He sounds weird. And he's yeah, usually he good with accents. Did you see part. Locke? He does yeah. a Welsh accent, and apparently, like from Welsh people, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Welsh people. But uh, <laughs> from what I read, he's actually okay, and he's really okay. good at like transforming himself. But this accent, the whole trailer, I was like, bro. Yeah. Dude, on, the new trailer, I think, looks bad. Oh, Have like, you seen like it? Bad, bad? The, no, the, the full trailer where you get to see like a comedy oh, yeah. section. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like there's there's you know uh, uh, very little story in this movie. I, mean, I oh. it's more just like there's so much packed into this like like y'all are talking about like every. There's so it's so much so dynamic, yeah. you know what I mean? Because you get you, they don't have to explain the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. but we get so much out of it. But then um, yeah, I, I just George Miller man. Yeah, really. One of my favorite things that I I, met, I noticed this time is like this this thing of infantilism going on, especially with Immortan Joe and like the leaders. Mm-hmm. Like uh, in, Immortan Joe has like two sons. One is like the deformed small guy, and then one is right. the huge ripped guy. And 
they're always talking to each other like a bunch of children. Like, you know, he's like, go see what's agitating dad. And then, like, yeah. the the biggest one is, like, when they find out what Furiosa's doing, the big swole brother is like, she thinks she can lose us. She thinks we're stupid, dad. Mm. You know, it's <laughs> these leaders yeah. are, especially, like, this whole discussion about, like, motherhood and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're, they're, they seem so infantilized and just... Yeah, well, it's a really yeah. interesting. We've done some videos on like Donna Haraway and Cyborg Theory. We, we've right? done one on Fallout 4. Yeah. Okay, so because I was thinking a lot about the relationship between technology and nature in this film mm -hmm. too. Like how many of the humans are enhanced by technology? Mm -hmm. You've got Immortan, what's Joe, John, yeah. Immortan Joe. Immortan. That, like he's got that breathing apparatus and that chest mm -hmm. plate to enhance his frail human status. You've got Furiosa who's missing a limb. You've got all of these these war boys who need blood bags in order to survive. Everyone is dependent upon technology, except for the women, who are like the pure expression oh, of nature. Right? They're kind of like almost Gaia. Figures. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, but it's because they're, they're dependent on technology because of the nuclear fallout that made them all into mutants or something like that. That's what we're supposed to believe. Right? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe is that right? They're I all think like so, yeah. sick and they're all oh, yeah, sick. That one they, dude, have, they, have the, the, they have the half lives. Like they're all like all the war boys. One of the reasons why they're so gung ho about doing this is because they have very short lifespans. Yeah. Right. Uh, because they're all diseased. Even Nux. What is yeah, it? He's, he's got like some like. Cancerous growths, yeah, or like, or, or, or like he's like weaker him. or something. So he's like yeah. he's he's he wants to prove himself and make it to Valhalla before yeah. his natural life expires. Yeah. I mm -hmm. guess. I love Nux. Yeah, he's great. I know he is. He is. Wait, what a, what know, a nice man. Another yeah. thing I thought of, I forgot to mention this earlier, but I was. Uh, they keep the women keep saying throughout the movie like who broke the world. Yes, or right. something like that, right? Which is another thing that I think. I mean, is really a really intentional way for the director, whose name I can't recall right now, George Miller, Miller, uh, to connect right what's happening right now to the system that's in place after it all falls. Basically, right there's this like little critique, like yeah, okay, but the system you have in power now looks pretty much just like the system you had mm. beforehand, right? Where certain powerful men are in control and everybody else just you know is just like the masses that are disposable in some way, mm. women in one way, men in another way. And this claim that they keep making, they, they first I think we first see it written on a wall yeah. in the women's vault, um, and then the wives repeated a few times like you guys broke the world right so in that way again i also think it connects what's happening right now or the kind of world that we have right now to the mm. system like this world breaks because of those certain power structures and is there end up happening is there any again, explicit connection to an individual or something that broke the world in the earlier installments or no. it's no. just we never yeah. know what happened it's always just the greed of man you know yeah. led to mm. a, a bomb yeah. <laughs> but it, it is also strange that there are very few, if any, people of color in the film, even well, though it's supposed to take place in Australia. Oh, you mean this movie or this in the movie, whole series? This movie, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, I, because it's in Australia, Australia, right? Only in, like, the, the, the sea of crowd of people. You do people. see some? Well, Zoe Kravitz. Who does she play? She's one oh, of the wives. Oh, she's one of the wives. That's one yeah, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then there's another woman who is darker, but I don't know if she is just really tan. Yeah. I mean, she's been out in the sun for decades. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. 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 or uh, yeah, maybe she's been. Yeah, yeah, but Zoe Kravitz is uh, obviously yes. Lisa Bonet, yes. and Lynn yeah, it's certainly not making yeah. the kind of countercultural statement that The Matrix Reloaded yeah, is, with like right. the very deliberate use of people of color sure. yeah, in yeah, Zion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Diesel Punk. So Diesel yeah. Punk is the, the what I've been told, the the way I've seen this movie being described. It's like an emphasis on the. Big clunky artillery yeah. weaponry. I just, a whole, I just chrome put a whole week at a diesel yeah, punk festival. That's, that's right. <laughs> he was just a burning. You just lived Mad Max. I did. I was just in Fury Road for about a week. Were you spraying your face with that silver shit and yeah. getting a little crunk? Got fucked up on that. Yeah. So there's a couple things I find interesting about this. I love how they've kind of reappropriated like pagan like worship terms mm. to like diesel or tech stuff. So like the guy who has all those bullets around him is called the Bullet Farmer. And yeah, uh, that's right. yeah, what is uh, the names? If you go to just like fucking Wikipedia and shit, people, yeah, someone the, called the, the bullets anti seed. I I think that's huh. just so interesting. How you know, like a pagan will worship the earth; they worship diesel technology and metal and stuff. And like, I feel like this movie is like sound of engines roaring porn, you know. <laughs> and I feel like that, yeah, yeah. like in a meta way, you can hit the meta button. That's the wrong one. <laughs> yes. Do we have a problematic button? We used to. I don't know where that one went. I had I had oh, requests so from funny. people on Twitter that were saying you better say problematic. So I'm just gonna, uh, problematic, 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 uh, problematic, problematic. But like the fact that we enjoy 
this movie so much. It kind of almost like speaks to the message of the film. You know, mm. if like if like we're in the theater and we hear those diesel engines roaring in the scenes and we're just like, yeah, we kind of get like aroused by them. It, it, it's similar to the warship that the characters are experiencing. I yeah. definitely get like like. I the, the the energy from all the war boys whenever oh, they are yeah. just like just I mean, going I into like, it, you're like, wow, so I'm on their pumped. side. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go into yeah. battle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, witness me. Fuck. Yeah. No, that's true, man. I see when I see this movie, like there are all these other readings. We could talk about like a sort of Marxist analysis or a feminist criticism, but for me, I cannot get away from like a psychoanalytic reading about desire and the production of desire and. Uh, and how you have like these fantasies that are erected and all of this whole mm-hmm. system is a system of signification that is supposed to justify and reinforce the what Lacan would refer to as the master signifier, which is like it's the signifier that has no signified, but it begins the chain of signifying. So let's just say it's like the empty placeholder that starts the whole idea of meaning itself. Right. And that's Immortan Joe. Mm-hmm. He kind of is the the symbol of the master signifier. In this whole fucking movie, like, all the testosterone shit, all the dude shit, all the fantasies about women, all the nature technology stuff, all of that kind of, like, fills in this philosophical, psychoanalytic reading about, like, a system of desiring production and imitation and management over resources, which are there, like, used to just create more desire. Mm-hmm. I think it's fucking genius, man, and but I literally think it's Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, like, the 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 amount of dialogue that can, that basically creates this very alive socioeconomic status quo that can be right. analyzed through all these different lenses is amazing. Yeah. My, yeah. my preferred analytic reading of the film is the uh, analytic idea of how do I make the coolest car crash (laughs) (laughs) and what can I do to just you know make people talk about it more I'll be honest dude like so we were talking earlier like how much did George Miller sit down and say the designing principle of this film is going to be this like cultural analysis and critique I think you're right dude I think like you said he set up a world and he's he's got his finger on the cultural pulse obviously but at the same time he's like I'm going to make the most badass action fucking movie that I can And it just, it's almost like it happened because of the cultural moment and because of his 70 years of life, maybe, yeah. and because of the influences. It just kind of came out this way, I, well, I think. So and I don't want to discredit him, but I feel it, like... It, it, I think it's interesting that you can have a movie, right? Because I think a lot of people think that you can if you, you can have an action movie or you can have a thoughtful movie. But you've got to pick, right? You can't have right. an action movie that's also going to be really thoughtful and be, be able to make political or social statements. But this movie is just like unequivocally doing both. And it's yeah. so good at both. And, and there's so not a second of dull exposition. No, and nothing, nothing is wasted. Exactly. Like not a single yeah, not a single shot, not a single look, not a single word is wasted throughout the mm. entire thing. Yeah, it's like Christopher it's just, Nolan is probably the guy that we maybe think yeah. about most that did this with the Dark Knight yeah. trilogy, right? But I almost... Successfully. Successfully. Yeah. yeah, yeah, successfully, right? I mean, I guess maybe the Wachowskis with the first Matrix, but that is just so exposition heavy. It just <laughs> kind of works. seconds who yeah, are yeah. just... Yeah. It, yeah, and they kind of retroactively almost discount uh, the yeah. first one in some ways. <laughs> Sorry, Rebecca. But, but, no, even, but even then with the, with the Nolan movies... Tired of fighting about the Matrix, guys. <laughs> <laughs> even, even then with the Nolan movies, still nowhere near as efficient as yeah, this. Yeah, I think... Like, they're not th- efficient. Th- exactly. th- this has to be... The most crazy if it when you kind of like the ratio of like yeah uh like intelligent conversations that can be had about it to amount of exposition that generate those yeah, thoughts yeah. it's amazing i would love to best. know how much footage was cut from this right like a ton yeah like well like so like, Walt, didn't it take Walt a bunch of years to make yeah. Dude, it, it, it and 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 that's why when we're talking about like the the feminist part of the movie it's like and how it was kind of felt very timely like this movie could have come out literally yeah, yeah, in the yeah. last any time in the last 15 years they've yeah. been trying to make mm-hmm. it for yeah, that yeah. long really? so it's kind of like imagine this movie coming out yeah. in 2005 you know yeah. it's like it would have been mm-hmm. i feel like received differently in a weird yeah. way you know but yeah. i'm glad it took so it's, long yeah, me, me too in hindsight so yeah yeah like walt yeah. whitman i think i think walt whitman's one that said uh, i'm sorry this is so long i didn't have time to edit it shorter <laughs> right i love that and that's like yeah because you know when you write a paper when i write a uh, you know something for publication it starts off at like 55 pages and then i cut it down to 12 and that 12 is just like the fucking best stuff <laughs> in the whole thing right yeah. and it's like so of course yeah he's yeah. he must have you know shot like 50 times that much footage and mm. he was just like we are going to cut 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 for 10 years or something well no it was like sandstorms fucked it up yeah. and all sorts of other shit Did, and they filmed it all in Australia or? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. they were oh, yeah. It's so, so great. And, and like Charlie's Theron and Tom Hardy hate each other apparently did they yeah, there's all these like that. drama I yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't. yeah go read about it why why 
I have the okay. clash of titans. Egos? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah, it's Egos. probably, yeah. yeah probably Whose film is this? Like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe? I don't know. I mean, because that, yeah, that's also, so I think the old Max is, right, they don't really make sense why you follow this one, this one hero. I mean, you don't really pay much attention to the shit he gets into, right? He just wanders in and out of people's lives and you're like, yeah, right, on to the next one, following this, you know, guy through the desert. But this one really made it seem like, like, I mean, for me, it seemed like Theron and her mission were like the, they were the real story. And he was just kind of like a really popular, handsome extra who was in it for a lot of, you know, had had really great grunts and could really like communicate with it. But it was, it seemed like it was their story. And um, have you seen Road Warrior? Yeah. It, well, because it, it is kind of similar. Okay. Like it's like, you know. A uh, whole town has their own story. Yes, it's yeah. almost like the Man with No Name series, where it's like there's there's this yeah. whole conflict going on, and then this got rogue guy who doesn't really who's on his own doesn't really want to yeah. be a part of it, but then reluctantly gets you know yeah. into the whole thing. So, um, yeah, I think that th- you're right about like like it's definitely more prevalent in this one because yeah. he's definitely more of like a almost a supporting character. In yeah, this movie. yeah, and I th- and I think they do a really good job of highlighting. So the the last ones, you're like, well, then why are we even following this guy? Like, right? If if yeah. I mean, is he that interesting that we, we're not paying as much attention to like what's actually happening in the cities? We're just following this crazy guy. And this one, they're like, okay, first of all, he's he's definitely for sure crazy, and um, and also he, we're gonna focus on the sort of story that he comes into, and we're gonna really make it seem like when he comes in, he's accidental, and when he leaves, he's accidental. And so in that, I thought it was really interesting to have a Mad Max movie where Max genuinely is sort of a secondary, Im- mm. important, crucial to the story unfolding, but it's not about him. And right? it works. And it yeah. works, yeah. 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 I also think it, it works best to have the Max character just be kind of a faceless badass. Like, I don't think we need anything more there. Yeah. Like, that's but, not yeah. the identity of the Mad Max franchise. But I, And I think this film did that better. Right. Like, they explained, or, or they were able to um, kind of demonstrate why that works better than the other ones. Because in the other ones, you're like, okay, yeah, but just because he's Mel Gibson, just because he's got, like, a pretty face, it doesn't really make much sense. But this one feel, felt like it was, like, really leaning into that fact yeah. right about the mm-hmm. arbitrariness of this person and like they don't care what his story is or like yeah he's got some shit in the past he's pretty crazy and then he's gonna help and leave right and mm-hmm. i thought they really did that well in a way that di- that didn't still follow the main character like you follow mel gibson right because right. now he really is the nameless faceless right she says what's your name and he's like i'm not mm-hmm. giving you one right yeah. and right. so we know he's max but he, mm-hmm. he does, nobody else even knows that That's right point and so mm-hmm. i really like that they were super it seemed that they were super intentional about being like yeah let's really make him kind of faceless and nameless and yeah i mean i had seen road warrior once a couple years ago but i kind of came in here seeing this as almost like a reimagining like oh this is a different max max the mad max is just like some kind of archetype that he is now like batman yeah i guess so uh yeah i guess that makes sense spawn there's something that goes on in this movie where so you know furios is missing a hand but then there's twice in the movie where max's hand gets hurt yeah so he's max's hand gets caught during an attack and then yeah. he has to bandage it and then there's one where max actually stops an arrow from going into his head mm-hmm. is there anything there do you think that there's any kind of more of like an egalitarian message and trying to like he recognizes her pain or something like that because they're both Shit, seeking redemption furiosa for unspecified reasons says that she needs to save the wives to make up for something and then we've been talking about max's flashbacks so is there like kind of this more whether it's male female or just greater camaraderie between the two of them and that they kind of are experiencing each other's pain or something like that jesus hmm. i didn't even think about i thought that, that it was neither. just for his hand to have been hurt twice yeah. i felt like there was something had to be yeah, sort maybe, of deliberate yeah. there because yeah. maybe he's kind of the obverse of her character right right like maybe he's yeah. somehow if he's that purgatorial figure and maybe he's like a guardian angel and he has mm-hmm. to sort of he has to suffer with her in a sort of Christian sense, right? There has to be a, some sort of aligning of suffering mm. in order for them to be able to to both get the redemption that they need. And that's how he gets his redemption is he learns to not be seeking after himself, but he actually helps them. Yeah. And that's his transformation is his redemption at first is I'm on my own. I'm the lone road yeah. warrior. But then he – you know, because he kind of is forced into it and then he kind of embraces it, but he then starts to become someone who helps others. And so this, I was actually thinking, uh, so like Haraway, she talks about uh, the idea of affinity 
as being something that's more powerful than like identity. And so you connect and it's this idea of like she talks about this in the cyborg manifesto and I can't remember. It was so long ago that I read it. But it's this idea because I was thinking about technology and nature mm-hmm. and Mad Max doesn't have any of the limits in nature. He's like for all intents and purposes, he's built, he's fit. I mean, he's strong mm-hmm. as fuck. He's capable. He doesn't have any ailments physically wrong with him. So he's kind of like a complete human uh, and he exists in that in-between purgatorial state. But maybe he has to somehow have an mm-hmm. affinity with this other person in order to be redeemed. I'm just bullshitting right now because of what you said, but there's something interesting in that maybe. Well, I do. I feel like they um, what they really do a good job of highlighting is the the uh, – the sort of thin line between between being so great and then being super precarious, mm. right? And she's this really precarious character who's super strong and capable and has like some great fight sequences, and um, but she, but she's also got she's also like missing a hand, and right. you don't really see that stop her in any way, even though she's you know somewhat precarious because of it. And then I think you see the same thing with mm. Max. He goes back and forth between being super strong and super precarious, and then super mm. strong and then super precarious. Be- because super he's strong. got like the thing attached to his face, yeah. and he's like a chain attached yeah. to his head, and, and a stuff chain attached like... to his head, and he's being bled. You know, so we first see him and he's strong, and then he's being bled, and then we see him and he's kind of strong again, and then mm. he gets uh, hurt, and, and then that... he's strong, and then he gets hurt. You know, there's so that there's... cool scene when he's trying to shoot with the sniper gun, yeah, and he misses and the he first misses, two, and then, she and then does he it. gives it up reluctantly, yes. and then she nails. Also, it. I didn't even think he shot. I think he was just like, you know what. No, she's going to no, be better she, at he it. He shot yeah. twice. And, he missed, three bullets. and then she yeah. said, yeah, the, one of the wives oh, okay. says, right, another instance, right? She's counting the bullets that are in the gun. And she's like, you only have one more. This like, random wife. Like, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. We were talking about uh, other sm- super smart action movies. I feel like, like James Cameron is probably our most intelligent and cinematic <sighs> you dire- think, director. Man? God. You don't think what? Terminator 2 is an intelligent okay. action okay. movie? Yeah, well-made uh, action that's movie? That's one out of right. seven. Yeah. You don't think <laughs> Avatar is just... That's the only one you can shit. give that's not good. Titanic. <laughs> he doesn't make very many True, movies. True Lies is an is a action-packed, is intelligent action... Yeah, it's smart. How it's is it smart? I think, I don't think I don't Christopher know. Nolan is a much better choice. Well, he gets into more philosophical stuff, I guess. You know, I, I guess I, I'm. Fuck mi- it. Have you I'm seen Pain and Gain? Michael Bay, man. That, that is his. <laughs> no, stalker. James Cameron, dude. Come smart, on. intelligent action. <laughs> but I want to know what is the. Uh, uh, what is the. Let's talk about the flamethrower guitar man. Who? Yeah, what, why? Who? Who is he? Yeah, who? Well, that's comes like, up that's with this? like the, the, the epic. Uh, you know, everything is just about like jazzing up the war boys, and this is basically just like yeah. you know the war drum line, exactly, or, or like, like the bad that, pipes you know? that the yeah. I want to see his movie, with. dude. I, 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 his. I think that guy should, you know, like sign up for the U.S. Army because yeah, I'm pretty sure every army would be more jazzed if they had that guy. <laughs> I feel like who, who played that guy? Wasn't it some famous musician? Oh, really? Or, I don't know. Was it Dave Grohl? I don't, no I don't recall, but I, rem- but I remember hearing like that it, it wasn't just like some dude who could play the electric guitar. <laughs> I think they picked Was someone. it Buckethead? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fucking awesome. For yeah. yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. yeah. No, I love that character, man. I mean, I just wonder... What an know, awesome we, we, just little... Yeah, yeah. We've, all, we've all either watched a shitload of movies, we've made stuff, we create content. Like, what the fuck? I want to know what is in your mind that's like, bro, there's going to be this massive monster truck and there's a dude that's yeah. on like these rubber bands that's rocking out <laughs> with the guitar. Flames are going to come out of it. And he's got like fucking vampire teeth or some shit too. Mm. He's going to yeah, be like he, a weird demon-y looking thing. Yeah, he's got something going on like that. Yeah, I agree. That it, some, I don't know if that comes out of George Miller's mind or if he does. has a production, like a production designer. designer. Yeah, yeah. So great. No, he's 70. Yeah. He, he, thought of all this. Yeah. he thought of the blood bag shit. Like who thought? Of yeah, that. He I did. He's I want to know. I yeah. want to know what the guitar guy does. Like after he climbs down off the rig, right? Like he just calmly climbs down, like wipes off the face paint, gets out of his spandex suit. Well, no, you like, know, he has you know, no he's just like he's like super chill. You can't see, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they just plug him in, and he's just the entertainment for. Yeah. The scene, <laughs> like, is, no matter like, what. What kind of I'll life does this week. guy lead when he's not rocking out and leading the war boys in a war? <laughs> there, there are there are a subgenre of like. The, the really old directors that make these really hardcore movies, yeah. you know, and I feel like this is up the top of the list mm. of, of the fuck you, I'm, I can still make awesome yeah, movies yeah. list. Right. And, it's, and then there's Scorsese's Wolf of Wall Street, yes, who, made by 71-year-old Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Then there's William Friedkin, who made uh, uh, Killer, Killer Joe, Joe at yeah. 76. That movie's awesome. And Bug, great. you know, Bug. Like, I like five Bug. years earlier or whatever. Yeah. Bug's awesome. Is it? I mean, Killer Joe's made, legit. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. yeah, think about that. Those guys are like, fucking holding on to it you know yeah. in their oh age. yeah it's awesome yeah it's so funny because uh, there are a lot of people that say you know that there's like a 
there's a half life for directors. Well, right? I, I never or understand that. Life. Like Quentin Tarantino's always like, oh, old people, old directors should just right. get out of the way, and it's just like, but you got all these people totally, mm-hmm. you know, showing mm-hmm. them up. I feel like, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it happens to some people. Look at Tim Burton. You know, people just like, you know what? I got look at ki- Francis Ford Coppola. You know, like well, Francis Ford Coppola. Like, I mean, he's not like a sellout. He makes movies that nobody watches now. Yeah, but he made. But they suck. He made the he made everyone's favorite top five favorite movies or whatever, and then he makes movies that like suck. And no I would one wants rather to see. him make small shitty movies than big shitty movies. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, don't know. I haven't seen it. Are they like art housey? They're indie? just yeah. Tetro, There's some of them are okay. Tetro, Tetro's youth, all right. Youth without youth. Youth is without youth sucks. Tetro's all right. You know. Yeah. yeah. Didn't he make another one that was like with Val kid. Miller, Val Kilmer, and Dan Deacon? <laughs> That uh, is not really watchable. <laughs> yeah. I haven't paid attention to a film of his since. Uh, hey man, like, if I, I mean, you 80s, know, you make 70s, money 80s. selling wine and then make uh, whatever yes. art projects you want on the side. That's that's the life. Yeah. I guess. I mean, you've already made Apocalypse Now, The Godfather. What yeah. else do you need? William Friedkin's already made The Exorcist. Why does he need to make Killer Joe? Well, it's, Scorsese's already made fucking every other movie. <laughs> no, it's made. true. You're right. <laughs> you know, why yeah. does he need to make anything ever? It's so funny because this is the thing that like every producer and every director and every agent tells you when you first move to L.A. They're like, you just got to play the game, and then when you're successful enough, then you can make your own shit, right? And I feel like, well, maybe that's what Coppola's doing. He's like, bro, I kind of played the game. I did the blockbuster shit. And now I'm just doing whatever the fuck yeah. I That is what he's doing. I disagree with his choices. Yeah, you're right. Once you get tenure. Once you get tenure, you can write whatever the fuck you want. But for now, play the game. game. I mean, even Scorsese had to get Shady Muddy from Malaysia to get The Wolf of Wall Street made. It's not easy to get these movies Mm -hmm. made, you know, and and that's like a whole fucking grind in itself of just maintaining the optimism of like, all right, I'm going to spend 10 years trying to schmooze rich people to make this movie. Yeah. You know, that's that's off to George Miller, you know. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Did, I mean, this movie made a shitload of money. Oh right? yeah, it was a yeah. pretty much a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. For what it was, I mean, it didn't make Infinity War money, but nothing does. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's funny because then you think, is it a successful film? Like, it's so shitty that the movie business now makes you think, unless you make a billion dollars, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like, well, because remember when a hundred million dollars did it make a billion? I, I mean, not a billion. It, no, I'm, I'm, but relative to its its size, it did well, know? very yeah. well. I just remember back in the day, I remember it was like a hundred million was the yeah. benchmark. That was a blockbuster movie, and now oh, it's yeah. like a hundred million. That's a flop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solo makes a hundred million in like a week, and it's like, pff, right? Losers. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know it's fucking That's crazy. Man. All right, guys, we're gonna move into the mailbag. We got one question this week from Jacob. Since we have the whole Matrix crew here, it's gonna yeah. be about the Matrix. Uh, so it's actually not specific to the Matrix, but he said. What disappointed me about your conversation was that y'all never asked the question, what are some other sci-fi films that tackle huge philosophical questions, but do so in a way that works filmically? Uh, what do you guys think? I think, like, oh, Blade Runner yeah, is, a, sure. is, a, is a key one of those. I haven't rewatched Blade Runner 2049, so I don't really yeah. know. I mean, 2001 works in its own way, yeah. but I wouldn't say that it's, uh, it's as watchable as something like Blade Runner. I mean, the yeah. original Matrix is a perfect example yeah. of this. Snowpiercer? Snowpiercer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Snowpiercer. Super oh, watchable. What's that new one that uh, that he did about the, like, hippo-looking thing? Oh, Okja. Oh, I refuse yeah, to watch Okja. that. Dude, Okja rules. Yeah, Okja. Dude, I, <laughs> yeah, that's Bong that's Joon-ho's one of my favorite filmmakers, but someone told me that this movie turns you vegan, and I'm like, well, not seeing it. Most watchable what? He said, uh, what are other sci-fi films that tackle huge philosophical questions but do so in a way that works filmically? So, Akira. Akira is a good one. You know, a movie that's about to come out, uh, James Cameron's Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. Are you look- looking forward to that? Hell yeah. Cannot Dude, I wait. can't look at that movie without Uncanny Valley like creeping me out and I don't want to see it. But I think that's part of the movie, you know, is the Uncanny Valley mm-hmm. stuff. Well, it's not being marketed if- <laughs> effectively then because I'm just looking at this. I'm seeing action movie. I can't really I, look at this thing, girl robot thing without feeling uncomfortable I'm not going to see this movie. Oh yeah. dude, bad <laughs> I decision. I think also let's it's more like Ex Machina would be a good oh, one. Oh fuck yeah. That's um, a good one. And Blomkamp's uh Cat. Oh yeah. I mean D- District his first 9. One, you mean District, District 9 is like the best movie. I love it so much. Um I've actually published a paper on this uh little promo. But not uh, Chappy. No, but Chappie and the whatever that one was with uh, with Matt, yeah, Matt that Damon. So I thought those were both movies that like could have been so great, and mm. they just weren't. And I was, it was crushing. 
I did cry a lot at Chappie, at both of them, but I, that doesn't make them brilliant. Movies. I mean, are you guys Star Trek <laughs> fans? Would that shit fit? I'm, I'm oh. not a Star Trek fan. Oh, man, Trek if Alec fan. was here. Oh, you are. Am yeah. I a Star Trek fan? Yes, oh, yeah? I am. So, yes. I mean, that. I mean, isn't that like what it, yeah. people hold up? Like, academics love to talk about Star but Trek. I don't know if the, the movies do it. I think the series, okay. for sure. Same okay. thing with Battlestar Galactica. I mean, God, if you want to get into television, well, don't even get me started. But, yeah. There's a lot of, mm. of science fiction television that is really, really, really focused on philosophical. Well, in a way, or science... Fight Club. Fight Club's another great one. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, sci-fi. Well, what are we thinking? Yeah, like, oh, well, sci-fi. Sorry, well, but it kind of. Well, yeah, it's not. But like, it's uh, what's tw- Twelve or Monkeys? Um, oh, Twelve Monkeys is yeah, a good. That's sci-fi. a good one. Was it? Is that Terry Gilliam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, Terry Gilliam. Like, yeah. I feel like sci-fi in general as a genre is yeah. inherently about speculating on the future. It's mm-hmm. about escaping this world and creating the new or transforming the world or pressing the scope of the imagination or whatever. So it's kind of all inherently, at least at a latent level, political uh, or philosophical or cultural or something. And we've just named a bunch of films that do that well because there are some that do it and they don't do it very well. Starship Troopers? one and two. Yeah, Starship Troopers. no, it's awesome. I love it. Jupiter Ascending, which I really enjoyed as a movie. And I loved loved the Terry Gilliam, like, you know, cameo, but... Galaxy Quest is a good one. Did Jupiter Ascending have... A f- like a philosophical backbone to it. I, I, yeah, it did. Okay. Well, are, are you mean, sure you're not thinking of Cloud Atlas? <laughs> yes. Um, okay. I mean, I, yeah, Cloud Atlas. I am not no. a fan. Yeah, of Cloud not, Atlas. me neither. It's like <laughs> twelve hours Don't long even, and it's yeah, scattered as terrible. fuck. And... But so in Jupiter Ascending, like um, right, people are being mined for their body. Like pl- whole planets are being mined okay. for their uh, for their bodies, right? So they can keep everybody else young. I, mean, I think that's another movie that deals a lot with frankly with animal issues with like whether it's okay to harvest other creatures for your desires or mm. your benefits and that sort of thing so mm. i would i mean yeah it's not all mostly I, it's just cool gadgets and that but okay all i remember is channing tatum lion or whatever <laughs> <laughs> i just remember eddie redmayne's weird voice oh accent yeah thing, he was right? like so bad right yeah. like just cringy performance <laughs> yeah. but like not his problem i no, always feel i always yeah. feel bad for actors who are just like show up work at a green screen yeah. in burbank and they're like <laughs> and, 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 and just like two directors come up to you and say like all right so it's going to be like a star ship going on you're on a starship this and tennis ball is a starship this yeah. tennis ball is a starship you know yeah. you're the lord yeah. you know like uh, you have no idea if it's working you know yes. you just have to trust yes. the cgi team to create around you yeah yeah another yeah. uh sci-fi movie with philosophical ideas i recommend is called spaced invaders movie from the 80s about a, a gang of goofy aliens that come around and oh. just wander around the earth highly recommend it uh <laughs> attack the block oh, yeah. oh great yes. movie such yes. a good movie and good i don't movie. think it gets like any attention or press no one ever mentions it anywhere it but it's brilliant mm. it's fucking brilliant yeah i think did we see that together yeah uh, yeah that yeah that's we awesome do a, movie. We that, do that a, was the, um, the origin of john boyega that's yeah, that's yeah him, right we should do a show me the meaning about that movie okay that's that, a good movie. Yeah, it's a great There was another movie. one that just came to mind. Um, uh, might've, I might have lost it. I mean, there's got to be a shitload of old ones. Watership yeah, yeah, Down. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Watership Down? Isn't that a Vonnegut novel? No, it's a movie about, it's an animated movie about rabbits. Yeah, it's, but... a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a Vonnegut Well, that's a story, book, too, it? that kids yeah. have to read in middle school, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not It's Vonnegut. a good movie, though. No, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it is. Oh, okay. I, I just remember seeing the is, cover, but... and there's a fucking rabbit on the cover. Yeah, I want to I never read it. It's a good movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. So thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been great having Austin and Rebecca here in person. Thanks, guys, for stopping by. It's great having you. Yeah. Now, Dude, now you know what the space is like in real life. Yeah, this is great, man. And apparently the fridge is stocked with LaCroix, and I've never had LaCroix. Oh, you've never so had a LaCroix? I've never had a LaCroix, so I'm going to go try my first one right now. <laughs> Oh, All right, welcome to ready. Because this is like a, a everyone in LA is obsessed with it. Everybody so. in America is obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I can't <laughs> fucking water. stomach it, man. I hate it. Oh really? my gosh, yeah. I love LaCroix. Give me a damn Coke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, where can we find you on the internet, Ryan? You can find me on YouTube and 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 what's that other? Oh, Twitter? Facebook. Facebook. Oh, and Patreon and Twitter. All those things. Yeah, Ryan Shorts. I make weekly comedy videos, and uh, and I make a game show in my garage called Ryan's Game Show. And they're awesome. Thank you. And Austin. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, Austin underscore Hayden. I also do a mo- another movie podcast called I Dig This Movie. And, and it's then- awesome. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then I do a philosophy podcast called Owls at Dawn that you can check out as well. 
And check out all the Uwe Boll movies that you've been doing. Have you seen the whole canon yet? No, no, no. We only so it was a punishment because I lost the. We did like a bromance series, and I chose Ryan Reynolds as my bromance, and he chose Kurt Russell as his. And then we watched three films, and we did like a thing where we rated the other person's filmography oh. at a, on a film by film basis. And I lost uh, ultimately. So the punishment <laughs> was that I had to watch three Uwe Boll films and then do an analysis or talk about them. And I watched uh, House of the Dead, Blood Rain, and Rampage, and. Rampage. I've seen it. Is actually good. Yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> it's the, a good the scene movie. when he walks into the lottery or the bingo. So thing. tense and yeah. interesting, and yeah, like I don't know. After he gave up on his German shell company tax scheme thing, he maybe decided to make some interesting films. I don't know. He That's made the one, one with the the guy with red hair is the star. No, no, no. This is um. It's, it's the town shooter movie. The town shooter, yeah. And he's done like three sequels, and it's the same dude he's worked with, and he's actually a phenomenal actor. I, I think you're thinking of the 9/11 like satire uh, movie. What was that those, called? Uh, what's the one? Yeah, where it, it's like the window washer that gets yes. hit by 9/11. Yes, that's what Postal. I was Postal. Oh, that's the first. Yeah. That was his first attempt at no, being political. No, that's not. Is that it? Yeah. No. I'm almost postal. Positive. I thought Postal was the one of a guy who literally goes postal and like no, shoots that's up a rampage. Whole town. And I mean, in Rampage, the guy goes postal. Yeah, and oh, in Postal, yeah, yeah. it's Osama bin Laden, okay. like as a comedy. Yeah. You're right. And then there's Blubberella, which is, oh, he made Blood we... Rain 3, and then it's like the shot-for-shot shot satire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's either Have a you, genius wait, did you or he's watch crazy that? as fuck. No, I, I, but I've seen, like, analyses of it in, like, clips and shit like that. Analyses? Yeah, well, I mean, if, as much as you His can His movie about analyze. German war tunnelers is actually pretty good. I'd recommend that one. It's, it, it, it's rat, like, rats or something? Yeah, rat hole or rats yeah, or something? something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I it's it's watchable. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Well, and then Rebecca, Rebecca does not have Twitter. I don't. What's I, Twitter? We can't find you on the internet. Yeah, but uh, I mean on academia.edu uh -huh. I'm on <laughs> Facebook. And what's your paper? Was it on Elysium? You said? No, it was on um, it was on District Nine District and Nine. Avatar. Okay. They were made the same year. One of them got more, a lot more press than the other one, Avatar, and over District Nine. Even though three D, yeah. But I basically, yeah, no, I'm not going to go to there again. But I argue that that District Nine is like a post-structuralist masterpiece. I'm going to read it. Cool. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, signing off. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. Goodbye from Hollywood, California. Witness, Witness me. me. <laughs> Later.